In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. I am almost too tired to function this week, but it's those moments. I mean, th those are the moments where you, you gotta just focus in more, initiate more, engage more. But really when you engage in those moments, those are the moments that are gonna be the richest. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is for you to become your best by calling you in to the arena of manhood, calling you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and calling you up to your absolute best version of you. Because when you get it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute, salute you. you. Guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and I am synchronized with my melody here. Is that melody when you like come in and do that with me? Yeah. Or is it harmony? harmony? I'm not a music guy. You're Dale Culver's here harmonizing harmony. with me. So, hey, how you doing, my man? I'm doing good. 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 How you doing? I'm doing good. Recovering awesome. from a weekend in New York. and We are. I was at an and... alpaca show while you were in New York, and I missed yeah. you. Yeah. Well, it went really, really well, man. It was a great conference. Oh, I know and it I'm did. glad to be good here. I'm glad speaking season's over. But I'm really <laughs> excited about our guest today. This guy's a specialist in fathering. Not only is he a father, but his job is to help fathers get in the arena of fathering and become all pro while doing it. So not just get in the arena, but become the best at it. And so his organization helps over 10 million people a year with family-related issues. So I'm really excited about this. Before we get into our guest today, would you have a man word? Oh, I do, oh. of course. And I am prepared. I know it already. I know it already. Come on, Jimmy. You, you got me in the last podcast, but uh -huh. this one I've got you. Okay. Fathering yeah. or some derivative it's of father. Fathering. Uh, yeah, yeah. How, how, how? That was kind of weak sauce. You could have done better. Oh, so, not well, a better word, but you could have done better. So looking me. at looking at his bio, I was going to go with fatherhood, but then we started the podcast and went no fathering. But any father derivative, I would have nailed it. You got to yeah. give me the derivative yeah. of the word. Yeah. So you did great. So this guy is a specialist in fathering, and I'll tell yeah. you what, I'm excited. Uh, but before we get into that, do you have a review shout out? So yeah, I have a, a podcast review shout out to Adventure. This person knows you apparently, so uh, they they know you from a youth group you had back in the Nazarene days, like I think in California maybe. What so, do they say? How do you know they know me? Uh, Jim, it's so great to see where God has taken and led you since youth group at the Naz. So, oh wow, yeah, crazy. Well, I came back from this conference in New York. It's funny that people that reach out to you, 
and I shared a story about my brother and how he wears Wrangler jeans. And I had this guy found my number somewhere and said, I'm in Walmart right now shopping. What kind of jeans were those? <laughs> like, dude, do well, not call me for that random man from Albany. <laughs> anyway, well, uh, actually, I thought that was hilarious. I was incorrect. The title is Adventure. His name is, get this, 174390. <laughs> I have, so is his name Jenny? No, that's yeah. 978322. <laughs> hit, hit us up uh, in one of our forums, and I will hook you up it would break. It would be great to get an actual name from this guy if I know him from the past. So yes. Yeah. be awesome. Jimmy's so, dying to know. I'm dying to know, baby. So uh, Jenny, Jenny, eight six seven five three zero nine. There it is. I was, I was getting the. Mm-hmm. I had. I was gonna have to call mm-hmm. you in, BJ, BJ, to help me, but I did not know yeah, if you had the voice good. for it. So anyway, hey, I want to introduce my new friend, BJ Foster. We met in Jacksonville, Florida, a couple months ago. BJ is 44 years old, lives in Tampa. He is the husband of one wife, Elizabeth, for the past 13 years, two kids. He is the director of content creation. For Family First, a national nonprofit that helps families love each other well. And they, after 27 years, are reaching about 10 million people a year. One of Family First programs is All Pro Dad, co-founded by Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy and Mark Merrill. BJ's written hundreds of articles and has spoken on the subject of manhood, marriage, and fatherhood. It's awesome to have him on a show. BJ, how you doing, my man? Doing well. Thanks, Jim. Man, and Dale, how- great to be here. How does yeah. a guy write hundreds, hundreds of articles? That's like, that's epic. Yeah, uh, it's really fun. You know, when I when I first started started this position about five years ago, I kind of thought I, I, I'm going to run out of ideas in the first year of things to write, and there's there's just never uh, I'm never lacking for something that pops up. Wow. Well, so who who do you write for most often? Uh, mainly I am the kind of senior writer on all pro dad. So I'm writing to men, I'm writing about, uh, parenting issues, fatherhood and marriage. And so these articles go out over the internet through email. Yes, we have, um, I think the largest fatherhood email, it's about, uh, 90 over 90,000 men subscribed and, and it's a daily email. It goes out every single day. Oh and, gosh. And we've, and we've got a number of writers that write for us. I don't write all of them, um, but uh, but I'm the main writer. So you're it. writing to an audience of close to 100,000 men, and you're how how long are these? How, how many words are you limited to in your uh, writings? These weekly, these daily Some, writings. Somewhere I would say the sweet spot is somewhere around 500 words. So that's so significant. Somewhere... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's it gets difficult because some of the subjects uh, are pretty complex, and so if you want to cover it well, but you need to you need to do it and be really concise and keep it within five hundred words, it's, it can be hard. Yeah, we do a weekly equipping blast for all of our men in the arena, and I limit the blog part of it to about four hundred words, and that's weekly. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about putting those into some kind of daily devotional for men? Uh, putting, you mean the, the daily, the articles yes, into a daily Yes, absolutely. Well, you call them articles. Some people call them blogs. Some people would call it an essay, right. but you've got something substantial there. Have you ever thought about that? Um, you mean like a, in, like in book form or, yes. or something like that? Uh, thought about it, you know, it, it uh, a little bit more of, um, a little bit more of like, uh, yeah, I guess like, uh, kind of mini almost little mini books or like uh downloadable kind of small books and putting 
the subject matter that's along the same lines together. We, we've we've talked about doing that plenty of times, and and we've done that to to a degree. Well, we we have a bathroom book we've written for men, mm-hmm. and it's a three hundred sixty five day deal, and we can't keep those off the shelves. The guys love mm-hmm. those things. So what you're doing yeah. is a daily reading for men. Anyway, yeah. just an idea, man. I just I just. When, when when you have a guy on and you read you read that he writes articles, you don't think that it's one a day to ninety thousand people, right? I mean that's a huge audience, so that's it's really a big cool, audience. man. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, I want to throw you into what we call our rapid fire round. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay, BJ. Um, I've picked for you what I call the finish the sentence round. So I've got five sentences, and I just want you to go with your gut level. Rapid fire means just you just r- get that thing out of your mouth fast. And and if why? It's, if it's what the if it's what's the number of uh, that Jenny song, I, I'm going to get it every time. All right, well, yeah, that's we'll see how this goes. <laughs> All right, man. Here we go. Here we go. When I think of dads, I think of what? Oh, I think of guidance is the first thing that comes to mind. I think of uh, someone who's guiding the next generation um, to being healthy. I think of um, uh, love and leadership and two of the things that are the most important things, I think, for a family and for a kid in terms of fathering is to love your family, to love their mom and, uh, and to give them leadership and where they're going. And I believe men have an innate passion or carry the mantle for leadership. When you get around men, men like to talk about leadership. Women do not. It's an mm-hmm. innate thing for men. You know, Maxwell, you talked about guidance. Maxwell, John Maxwell, talks about the law of navigation, that leaders know the way, go the way, and show the way. And, and when, I, when I hear you say that, that's what I, the picture that came into my head, a man who's saying, this is the way that we're going. Right. Right. And it's, you know, a lot of times I think our wives are looking for that. I mean, they're looking for us to to not necessarily just bully the way and make the decisions without their input, but they're looking for men to take initiative and to initiate the conversations and um, to to initiate conversations and then really hold up the mantle of, of the kind of character that they really want to see in the family. That's really interesting that you say that because one of the things I've noticed about men is that men are fixers. Mm-hmm. Women never men men never say to their wives, "Now, honey, I'm going to tell you something and I don't want you to try to fix it. Just listen." Men never say that. <laughs> right. But right. women say it all the time. And so right. and one of the things I've learned and I'm noticing about men and what we do with our ministry is that is that women are great identifiers like they will show us as men this is an issue this is a problem but we are the initiators so she identifies and then the men as leaders we we begin to solve that problem mm-hmm. so i think that's really good that guidance a lot of times the wives aren't sitting there passively they're engaged in the conversation but it's the the man who stands up there and you know wait till your dad gets home type of thing right yeah, yeah, that's that's good, man. Hey, so number two, the biggest problem with fathering today is what? Oh boy, the biggest problem with fatherhood today, I I would say um, it's probably um, 
probably presence and leadership, I think. And, and presence, you know, I, I, um, it's interesting. Our organization did a study back in, in the mid to late 90s uh, talking to prison inmates, and they were asked about their father, and 85% of them didn't have one. And I was talking to my neighbor the other day, and he's a college professor, and he's doing a study of, of family life, and he's doing a lot of work with inmates. And he was he gave me the exact same statistic. He said, you know, 90% of inmates don't, don't have a father. So um, I think we're getting better in terms – and we so we may be getting better at that. I don't know. It, it sounds like we're not getting better uh, in terms of – just men being engaged and being with their kids. But even, even today with all of the distractions, a dad can be in the home, but not fully present Yes, for and sure. not, not fully engaged with their kids and uh, with their wives and, and, and showing the type of leadership where I talked about, you know, the initiative, are you, are you being intentional about, having conversations? Are you being intentional about your time? There's just too many times where dads are, and you see it and it's with moms too. It's not just with dads, but you go out to a park or whatever and you see, or you go out to a restaurant and you see families together. Um, but the parents are looking at their phones or they're at home video gaming or something like that, where they're, there's there's so many opportunities to engage in discussion and conversation and ask our kids um, what they're feeling about things, where they are in terms of their development. There there's just too many opportunities for that. So I would say, um, what's the biggest problem? Presence and maybe just maybe even focus and presence. Yeah, I thought you might say that, and I agree wholeheartedly. You know, men show up. And they don't just show up physically. Show up and, and, you know, wherever you are, be there. So that's really good, man. I think that's so – get your head out of your phone, you know, yeah. and, 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 and be a parent. And what, what, what we tell guys is the biggest window of opportunity you have in your life is 6 to 9 o'clock at night when you get home from work. That's mm. when the work really starts. Don't give them your leftovers. Give them your, your presence and the best version of you. Absolutely. That's, you know, yeah. uh, one, one of the things that's interesting, one of the tools that we use is Google, Google AdWords, and we can kind of see what people are searching on Google. And, uh, and we can see uh, how often they're searching. And one of the, this is a really sad commentary on our society. One of the highest searched phrases is, I hate being a father. What? 1,000 1, people a month search I hate being a father. So what I like to do is I like to take a phrase like that and I put it into my articles so that I, you know, we pop on Google. And so I was trying to think of, okay, what would I write in terms of, I hate being a father? Who would I, what would I write to that person? So I just wrote an article called open letter, open letter to the guy who says, I hate being a father, almost thinking this guy can't exist. Uh, I mean, I I don't understand how you could really hate um, being with your kids and wanting to invest in the next generation in terms of what you leave behind. And so I wrote an article trying to be trying to be encouraging, like, look, I know this is hard, 
Uh, but boy, there's nothing more valuable than this, than investing in the, the next generation. And there's nobody that will ever be as close to you than someone who shares your own blood and your own DNA. And if you give that up, you invite loneliness and a lack of intimacy that, and, a, and a joy that you could ex be experiencing all because you want to go back to maybe a time where things were, where you had less responsibility mm -hmm. and things were more simple, maybe. Um, and uh, you wouldn't believe how angry these guys were when they showed up <laughs> and, uh, really? and read the article. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, and they had a lot of things to say about me um, in the comments section. And it just it really surprised me that there that how many men there are out there that uh, would just rather take off um, rather than sticking in there. I mean, you want to talk about men in the arena. Wow. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that that search had so many guys, but when I think of that that guy who hates being a father, I think of the 24 million children that will go to bed without a father in the home. I think Absolutely. about the 40% of children who were born out of wedlock, and I think of the 50% of children from divorce that will not see their dad for an entire year. And I think a guy who hates being a father, I guess the positive part of this is at least he's fathering as some opposed to some of these guys who just won't, aren't even engaged. Right. Yeah. Wow. But, but, but if, you know, they're at least one individual or two, um, they showed up mad because they had Googled that, I guess, found my article <laughs> and they had, and they had, and they had left their families already. So there was, oh. there was not, you know, they had, they had left their their kids behind and and the statistics if the statistics are right i mean you know you have 85 percent in prison um who yeah. grew up without a father i mean yeah. it just leads to all these different problems so this article you write every day you got me intrigued is it is it if i go to all where can i find where can i subscribe to this uh if you go to allprodad.com um, and then you scroll down a little bit, you'll see um, where you can you can subscribe to All Pro Dad. And it's and just you it's, just subscribe to All Pro Dad. That's what you subscribe to. Yeah, and we say it takes one minute a day. It's a if if you're going to be a great father, you have got to be intentional about this thing, and you need to be thinking about it every single day. So we that's why we put something out that literally takes a minute to read every day. That's, there's that's a there's a there's a terrific um, documentary. I don't know if, you, if you've seen it um, called Free Solo. Mm -mm. And it's about a guy who he free climbs El Capitan, which is, you know. Oh, Yosemite. I've read about this guy. Yeah, I've read yeah. about this guy numerous times. Three thousand foot climb he does without ropes. Yeah. The guy and, that filmed him was in a movie called Maru. The guy that yeah. filmed him is an Asian dude. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy's yep. world famous. Yeah. So it's called what now? Free what? It's called it's called Free Solo, and you should see the amount of study and detail this guy puts into this climb. And because you know, essentially, if he doesn't get every single hold exactly right, he dies. And um, and I was doing a devotional one time, and I equated it to what if we were to take the same type of focus and intention and study in terms of staying on the vine, uh, Jesus, if we took that type of study, what kind of difference would it take in our life? 
And so with if you took that type of intention and focus into fatherhood, what kind of dad would you be? And this is on Netflix. Free free solos on Netflix. Uh, it may be on Netflix now. I I had to go out and buy it. <laughs> oh, it's, really? It, it's almost worth the buy. It was on National Geographic, and okay. I found it on Amazon.com. Okay. I'll tell you what. It's intense, and you're gonna be it. My stomach was turning the entire time. Yeah. But uh, but it is it is a great watch. Um, I had my honeymoon. I had my honeymoon from hell in Yosemite. <laughs> So I, I relate to Yosemite well. Hey, next question. One lie men are taught about fathering is what? Um, one lie that men are taught about fathering. I think it's this, that you, in order to be a great father, you need to be a certain type. Uh, oh. I, I, you know, uh, and, and it's almost like the, this is a similar lie in manhood, Um uh, I'm trying to think of the talk and the uh, Henry now and Henry now and give, gives a great talk where he talks about three different lies people believe. And that is, I am what I do. Yeah. Uh, I, I am what people say about me and I am what I have. Uh, and, and really, and, and, and that's basically about our identity uh, that we need to be a successful you know, in business and we need to have people say great stuff about us and we need to have a lot of material things and then we can be counted as a success or have value. And the reality is, is that we are valued because we have a God that created us out of tremendous love and purpose. And he has designed us uh, in such a way to impact the world for his kingdom. And, and he has given us kids as fathers because we are wired in a certain way to impact their life. And so if more men, I think, would lean into the fact that they are exactly the man that God has designed for their kids and their family, and they would get to know themselves and get to know the God that created them and know that they are enough, that they are the ones, and that they don't have to have a certain maturity level or knowledge base in order to do it. Now we all want to grow in knowledge and grow in maturity. But if, if we just know that, that the Lord made us to be the dad for our kids that he created us to be, um, I think that would make a tremendous difference. Yeah. When I was a, about a 30 year old dad, so I had little kids in the home. I remember I heard a, a guy speak at a marriage or parenting conference we had at church. And he said, you don't have to be perfect as a parent. You just have to be good enough. Mm. And there was some freedom yeah. in that because Absolutely. I I thought I had to be perfect. And I mm -hmm. you know, I'd beat myself down and so I think that was a lie, right? And so Yeah, absolutely. And so there is no one type and there's no one type of man. You know, men come in many shapes and sizes. Men have uh they can be a, many different things. A, a man is as a man does. Mm -hmm. And I think Absolutely. the same would be for fathers, a father fathers. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. If he's not mm -hmm. fathering, he's not a father. He's a bio dad. Yeah. He's a sperm, do sperm donor. So, um, so I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's all about, in it's all about initiative and engagement. And that's, that's really what you do. And the, and love initiative and engagement and the rest will take care of itself. You'll learn, you'll grow, you'll apologize. You'll apologize a lot. <laughs> I mean, there's just nothing more humbling than being a father you just get you get called out on everything and and uh and you realize 
your selfishness and where you need to grow and get over it. No, I agree. I think if a guy just initiates and, and engages, it all sorts itself out. And as mm-hmm. men, because we are fixers, we're built to figure it out. We're, it's how God, it's yeah. how God made us. Women are naturally built to nurture, but we're naturally built to fix and to build. And so, yeah, that's good. Hey, number four on this is an all-pro dad is a what? Uh, an all-pro dad is someone who loves and leads their family well. That they're somebody that is uh, consistently engaged in the lives of their kids um, and, and there, and f- hopefully, and I'm not saying you can't be an all pro dad if you're single for sure. Yeah. Um, or if you're a divorce, but, um, an all pro dad is someone that strives to love the child's mom. Um, or, you know, if you're divorced, if it's contentious, at least you have a level of respect, but, um, an all pro dad is someone that loves and leads their, their family well. And, and so we always say that there's three ways that you can be an all pro dad. And one is that you are subscribed to the play of the day, that you that it's one minute every day of engagement and it's initiative. Um, and then two, one hour every month that you're going to attend or start and attend an all pro dad chapter. And those are things that we have where dads come together in groups with their kids and and it's an hour where they can encourage one another and a lot of times they meet for breakfast at the kids schools and it's like the greatest day of the kids month um, because their dad is is present at their school Um, one of the things that they get a chance to do is they get to publicly proclaim why they are proud of their child and Mm. when they do it you you ought to see the kids light up and a lot of times you can tell when it's the first time they're ever doing that, they're ever actually saying that. So, um, so one hour every month and then one day every year, we've got an all pro dad experience that we do in selected places around the country in college and, and NFL stadiums. And it's an opportunity to bond with your kids. So one minute a day, one hour a month, one day a year. And then, um, and then we have uh, a one more campaign where, um, we, we talk about foster. We work with different states and finding leads for foster and adoption and to try to get kids that, that we talked about earlier that are growing up without dads um, to, to get them. OK, can you take on and father one more kid? So it's one, one, one and one. Interesting. I, I like that. Three ways to do it. One minute a day, one hour a month and one day a year. So the next yeah. one, number five, the last one here for the rapid fire round is I wish more dads what? Uh, I wish more dads were engaged in the lives of their kids. Um, I wish that uh, and, and you you see it, uh, you know, I, there are plenty of times my kids are involved in sports and I, I see the kids out there. Um, running around and dads are, are on their phones or talking to somebody else or uh, just totally not engaged. Um, and, and you see the look on a kid who's desperately trying to get their attention and their affection. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, that attention piece is a huge, so maybe it should be even said that way. I wish kid, dads, more dads would pay more attention to their kids. And I think if they did that, they would see the needs and the crying out just even in a facial expression. Um, you know, I, 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 
I took my uh, my son, who is he was nine at the time. I took him to a movie, and just paying attention to him and and spending that time together. Uh, there was a teenager in the movie that mentioned the word porn, and and I could see the look on my son's face. And afterwards, I said, "Hey." Was there? Let's talk about that movie. Let's take a chance. Let's take a moment here to just have a discussion about what you saw. Did anything about the movie not make sense to you? And he said, "Well, like the word porn. Like, what does that mean?" And mm-hmm. so all of a sudden, we're able to get into a discussion as he's on the cusp of having a ton of hormones enter his body, where pornography is going to be this huge. Uh, thing that I'm sure he's going to encounter. I mean, if the if the statistics are right, uh, kids these days are encountering that kind of material at age nine, ten, yeah, yeah. eleven. And I remember encountering it when I was eight or nine, and that was back in the eighties. And I had no idea what to do with it. I was feeling a ton of things. I was feeling completely alone because I felt like I just saw something that I'm not supposed to see. Probably. I feel weird about it. I feel weirdly strange, guilt, excitement, but I don't understand why at age eight or nine. Feeling like I can't talk to my parents about this thing because they're probably going to be mad. Um, And we're able, because I initiated the conversation, I was able to tell him about my experience with it. I was able to tell him a ton of things that he's not feeling now that he's going to feel in the Mm -hmm. next couple of years. And all of that was by, um, by engaging and just paying attention and taking the initiative. And if more dads did that, then I think less kids would feel alone. They'd less kids would feel confused. Um, and, uh, and all of that stuff really, I mean, these things that happen with childhood, kids can bottle them up and they can create wounds that can last and they won't even be able to unpack them until they're in their late Mm twenties. So, um, so if more guys, more men, dads would be engaged. That's what I would say. Yeah, that's great, man. Hey, let's do this. Let's take a few minutes. I've highlighted uh, some of the things you do, but give us a, a background with your personal life, things you enjoy, hobbies, anything else you'd like our guys to know about you so we can put our interview in context. Well, I, I think, um, uh, you mentioned some of the basics of me, but uh, one thing that is a little bit interesting about me is that I'm probably the only guy that you'll ever meet that was hit by a train and survived. And <laughs> you got to tell the happened. story. You got to tell yeah, the story. Well, that happened when I was two years old. What? Um, I, two years old. I was almost three. It was about two or three months before my third birthday. We lived about a, ha- a quarter of a mile from train tracks. And, uh, and my dad was mowing the lawn. My sister was playing with me in a sandbox and my dad asked her to go in and get him a drink. And I was left unsupervised for literally, I think about 30 seconds and decided to go on a, on an adventure and, and walked up to the train tracks and, uh, and the train came around the corner. It was a, it was a, a commuter train and there was a guy on the, on the, on the train who had never taken the train to work before, but he was taking the train that day and he saw me on the tracks and he told the engineer, Hey, there's a kid on the, on the side, just on the side of the ties. And they hit the the brakes and it skidded 300 yards and hit me square in the forehead and knocked me back and fractured my skull. And, and so they stopped the train, they took me on board and a nurse administered first aid and 
uh, and took me to the hospital. And so fractured skull, lots of stitches. Um, and so, and then my parents had no idea where I was. So they were running all over the place thinking I was abducted. And imagine this is a parent. They finally called the police and the police said, well, little boy was hit by a train. Oh my goodness. And, and my mom said, that's, that's him. Let's, let's go to the hospital. Whoa. Two years old and you survived. And I survived. And so that's, that's always, and so there's a big scar on my forehead and on the back of my head with that. So, uh, so that's, it was kind of the beginning of my life was, was head trauma. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but I, uh, you know, I, 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 if you looked at my resume, um, it's very eclectic. I've pretty much done everything. I've worked in the United States Senate. I, I did some CIA contract research, no security clearance. So it's, it really wasn't that impressive. Um, I was a financial advisor. I've worked in ministry. I was a majorly failed financial advisor. Um, (laughs) And, uh, and was, uh, I, I volunteered with young life for 10 years, which is an outreach to teenagers. My son does it right now. Well, there you go. And I was on young life staff for about four years before I started this position. So, so I've got young kids, but I also kind of have this dichotomy of having, uh, somewhat of an expertise in adolescents, middle schoolers and high schoolers. So how have you been with our all pro dads? With All Pro Dad, I've been there for five years. Just celebrated my fifth anniversary on April 1st, uh, April Fool's Day. It's a great uh, starting date. Congratulations. So here's a question Thank I you. have for you, man. What in the heck does the director of creation content do? We know you're writing about 300-plus uh, essays or trainings or entries or whatever a year, but what else do you do? Uh, I'm, I'm managing all of the content that goes out, not only on All Pro Dad, but on, on iMom, which is the, the sister um, website that gives, that helps moms love and, uh, their family well. So uh, I'm, I've got uh, about 20 to 25 writers that write for us, oh, wow. um, some more consistently than others. You know, if you were to really boil it down, it would probably be more like, you know, five on each side. Um, so I'm, I'm managing all of that content and, uh, and then, uh, we've got some other things in terms of, we have a curriculum for the all pro dad chapters that goes out with that we, where we give them videos and conversation starters that they can have during those meetings. And, and I kind of help write all of that curriculum as well as give leadership to the organization as a whole. Oh, and how many, how many employees at family first? There's about 25. Okay. Wow. That's a good size organization. Yeah. Yeah. So what, so what's the actual mission of all is I know family first is to help families. What was it? You have the vision there. Um, what was it? Um, to, to help families love one another. Well, love each other. Yeah. So what is the mission of all pro dads? That's basically it's, it's to, to help fathers to love and lead their family. Well, Okay. And so in, in your opinion, what makes a dad an all pro dad? We may have already touched on this a little bit in the, the rapid fire round. A little bit, but, uh, I mean, I, I think, uh, and we may have, uh, you know, an all pro dad is someone who's just engaged in the lives of their kids and, and, and loves them, um, daily. So, 
so we might have covered that. Yeah. Hey, let's take a second here and hear from our sponsor. We'll be right back at you in about 30 seconds. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with a mission to help men become their best version and change their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts and every man in the arena matters. Our closed Facebook forum for men, appropriately called Men in the Arena, is a great way for you to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today. Hey, because of my passion to see men get out of the bleachers into the arena, I want to offer a free resource to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Simply give us your email. We'll send you a PDF copy of the field guide. This is my 365-day bathroom book for men. It's a study of manly words in the Bible illustrated with great stories. This is a great resource for all of our arena men. Guys, you're going to love this book. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those in the anonymous bleachers pleading for you to get in the arena today? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. So, yeah, I, I love that concept of, of being engaged. And I think a lot of times guys are, uh, think that, hey, I'm married to their mother. I, I try to love her well. I go to work each day. I grind it out. In fact, many of our listeners are driving right now to work or home from work. Uh, I'm doing all this. Isn't providing for my family enough? What would you respond to that? Right. Uh, it depends on what your word of providing is. If it's just financial, <laughs> um, then no, it's it's not enough. Uh, kids, they they need, our families need a lot more from us. They need our uh, they need our leadership. They need and and le- leadership from a spiritual, emotional. Uh, I think there's there's a provision of protection that goes into that. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, one of the articles wrote, I wrote is uh, the shelter your daughter needs, and um, and there's a there's a physical and and emotional and spiritual protection in that. And, and our sons need that too. Um, there's, there's a raising when you, when you think about the amount of time and it, and it is very difficult. It it is the, when our kids are young until they graduate high school, I would say it's probably the most demanding time of our lives where more of our energy is required, more of our resources are required than ever, but what a, a tremendous opportunity. When you think about your entire life, uh, if you're, you know, if you live to be 80 to 85 years old, think about the amount of time that you're going to have to influence your kids. It's really probably about 15 years of that, Yeah, that they're going to be living in your house. You know, when they get into the teen years and, and you've done youth ministry, as I believe, right, Jim? Yeah, for you've 20, done 25 years. Yeah. 25 years. Yeah. So you know that when, when. Like kids start to become tweens and teens. They're going to start to individuate. They're going yep, to start totally. to separate, and and they're going to want to show you that I've got it now. You've taught me, and now I'm going to make you proud by showing you. And then we we start, you know, trying to teach them like they're eight and you know seven years old, and they push back. They're like, no, no, no. I want to show you. I want you to be proud of me yep. and what I do. It's and um, and so. And, and it's not to say that those years, you definitely have an influence over them and should stay engaged and pursue them. But, but about 15 years, 10 to 15 years, if you really put it in to those years, 
that's what that's less than 20% of your life. So you've got 20% of your life that, that you could really pour into your kids. Um, and so it's not that much time. So, so your kids, yeah, they demand your family is going to demand a lot. It's going to demand a lot more than financial provision. Um, you know, I'll tell a personal story here. My dad passed away 20 years ago yesterday. Uh, you know what? I read that on social media. Somehow I'm following you, and I saw that yeah. post yesterday. So I'm sorry. I was sorry to hear that, man. Oh, thank you. It's been a. I mean, it's been a long time. But the he, my dad was somebody, and you know, I I don't want to rip his parents because in a lot of ways they were great. But they were, if if you want to talk about financial provision. Um, my grandfather paid for my college and more, Mm -hmm. and he had, I have about 30 cousins and he paid for all of them to go to college. So if you want to talk about financial provision, my grandfather was one of the greatest there there possibly was. He sold a company, passed all his money and his resources down to his kids and grandkids and really gave us an advantage financially. However, um, my dad, when he was younger, was sent away to boarding school. He was sent when he came home from boarding school. He was sent away to summer camp for the summer, and um, and the night before he passed away, he um, he had my at the time my future brother-in-law for over for dinner and was meeting him for the first time. This is the night before he died. And he was talking about going away to boarding school. And my brother-in-law said, wow, you're, you know, your parents really provided for you. That was a, that's a tremendous education. And his comment back was, yeah, but I don't really think you love your kids if you send them away like that. Well, and yep, yeah. So he, he, he went to the grave feeling unloved by his parents because they didn't spend time with them. They didn't talk to them. They didn't, you know, they didn't have all those moments that you can possibly have. So, well, that's, so, you know, that I think there's a, there was a shift in the 1950s and 1960s. And as the, as the uh, women's liberation movement or feminism movement came in, what happened is women entered the workforce more so where men were the finance soul almost the sole financial providers yeah that shift happened and has been happening to this day uh, women are making millennial women make 93% of what millennial men make in the workforce 57% of college graduates are now women women are in the wor- workforce full fledged and this is a great time to be a woman in America but what has happened is the men have gotten confused because that that great your grandfather was used to the financial provision. That's what they did. Right. And mom was the nurturer. Right. But that provision now, that prov- provision means something much more now for a man than it used to. In a lot of ways, it's more complex because men can't rely solely on income provision. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But that's, I, I think that's what makes, that's what I think has the opportunity to make men far greater than we've ever been to Agreed. be engaged in all of these things. I mean, I, you know, my mom talks to you know, my dad, my dad was, he was very committed to being way better and way more engaged than his parents ever were. He used to, he used to come to my practices and watch my practices for three hours. I'm like, what are you wow. doing you don't need to be here for this? But he wanted to be there. But at the same time, uh, he also, 
never changed one single diaper in, in his, and he had four kids and never really? changed one single diaper. Um, and so my mom looks at me and my brother-in-law and she's like, I think it's so great how the men are, are helping out these days. And the stuff I tell her that I do for my wife, just as a natural kind of thing, it's like, well, of course I want to be there and help out for that. She's like, that's so great that you all help out these days. Cause she did it all with four kids by herself. But that's what's helped me to kind of go, wow, like this is a lot and I'm going to need to cling to God here in a way that I'd never have before. And my heart's going to need to change in a lot of different ways. And I'm going to have to be more prayerful and, and take more initiative. And, and I've never grown more as a man than in the, the last 10 years that I've been a father. Like I'm, I'm such, I'm, I'm so much more of a shepherd to even other people than I would have ever been before. Like I'm more empathetic. I'm, um, I'm more thoughtful. I'm, I, I think I've grown in wisdom through it. I, you know, when you have every day, every day, you're just that your shortcomings are, are pointed out to you and, and you could go two ways with that. You can either get bitter about it and close off or you can, you can apologize and then grow from it and then become more efficient and better and more loving and caring and everything. All of those qualities that, that, you know, are, are much more God like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, 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 a lot of times equate fatherhood, parenthood really, to, to the first couple chapters in Genesis because you you get married to your wife and then the two of you make this beautiful home together that's like the Garden of Eden and then you make a child and you put them in that home and they just wreck it and then <laughs> yeah the entire the entire experience of parenthood of fatherhood is in a loving and forgiving way cleaning up after all the messes that your kids make and then you make that's the difference between you know the god portion of things um and then it's okay how loving am i doing this thing how forgiving am i how compassionate am i do i have the same qualities that god has as a father um all of that i mean you can't grow more as an individual than and and what a weakened experience it would be if i just gave a a bank account to my wife and my kids well you talk about growing and <clears throat> we call our men in the arena these are men we call them men living in the stress bubble so there's a period of time and i'm going to call it because i don't know where the man is in the journey from 25 to 55 so he's married he has kids in the house and he is in this stress bubble. And and all I remember, I'm on the other side of the bubble. Just left in I just left the bubble about a year ago. Congratulations. But, yeah, it's but I'm <laughs> I'm reaping the benefits of having three really great yeah. sons. But but the problem with the bubble is I was always tired. And yeah. and and life wears you out in the bubble, but it tests your metal. And some guys can either deflate in the bubble, explode in the bubble, spin out in the bubble, uh, you know, but those guys that rise to the cream of the crop, those all pro guys, they thrive in the bubble. They engage in the bubble. And I am tired today because of the bubble. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you said something that I wanna I wanna pull out a little bit. You said twenty percent of your life is yielded in the twenty percent of your life happens in this bubble phase. Yeah. And I would I would uh, quote the print uh, uh, Vilfredo Pareto and his Pareto principle that 
yes, 20% of our life is in the bubble, but it yields 80% of our legacy at least. So Absolutely. what happens in the bubble, it, it doesn't define us, but it defines the kind of man that we will be the rest of our lives. Have you found Absolutely. that to be true? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's it's almost like when you you really find out um, the the truest uh, somebody is when they're in their moment of stress, and you really yes. find out who they are and what they've got. And um, I, I read, I was just reading um, Max Licato was talking about um, you really find out the character of somebody on their deathbed, what's really important to them. Oh. And, you know, while they're dying, what are they doing? And, and you have, you have Jesus on the cross, which Easter's coming up. Um, you have, you have Jesus on the cross and he's forgiving and loving and being compassionate. And, um, and, you know, in my moments of stress, uh, I kind of think of how many times I flip out and lose my temper yes. and, and have had to work on that so much. Um, but you really find out the truest test of somebody in their trial, not when things are going well, um, but it's when things are difficult and things are hard. But really, those moments, those are the moments that I look back and I think those are the moments where I learn the most where I change the most. And I really, it's, it's, I always look back and think I would never want to do that again. Like I refer to the first four years of my kids where they were both in diapers. I refer to them. I refer to those as the dark ages. Like I just, I, I, I would never want to go back to, I mean, they were adorable and cute, but it was such a physically exhausting time. Oh yeah. Um, you know, it's you, you think of, uh, like I always thought before I was a dad, I always kind of marveled that that the storm is going on and Jesus was asleep in the boat. Now I get it. I yeah. totally get it. Yeah, um, I, I felt that way this week. Like I am I am almost too tired to function um, this week. Uh, but it's those moments. I mean, th those are the moments where you you got to just focus in more initiate more, engage more. Yes. You got to take time out and get some rest and, and have some periods where you go off on yourself and you recharge. Um, but really when you engage in those moments, those are the moments that are going to be the richest. Oh, that I, yeah. And that's, that comes back to your quote of, uh, you know, if we fail, you know, at least we we do so daring greatly. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, so well, absolutely. So those I mean, are the, yeah. That's the opportunity. That's the opportunity before you is when you're most exhausted, what are you going to do? Well, a blade is forged under fire, and I would argue that men are forged under the fire of this stress bubble. You know, you, you talked about Jesus on the cross. But what you didn't mention, I know you were thinking about it. You must have forgot. He was on the cross taking care of his mother. Yeah. While he's on the cross, you know, and I know, I know, you know, we, we, we portray this MVP dad as being perfect or this all-pro dad, but we've seen all-pro football players and all-pro athletes, and we know they're not perfect. Do you want to share one of the biggest mistakes you've made as a dad and how you're working on uh, getting better at it? Oh, I mean, I have an example from <laughs> last night, but it's a reoccurring. It's a, in fact, I'm always embarrassed when people are like, this guy's an expert in fatherhood, because really, if you read most of my article, most of my articles are like, this is what I did, don't do this. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. more of a... Uh, from the struggler's perspective, 
of things. Um, but this is a just like I, last night. I was absolutely exhausted. Um, I just wanted to go to sleep. I wanted to get my kids in bed and get in bed and go to sleep. And my daughter was in bed and I was saying goodnight to her and I always kneel down and I have this little saying that I do. And I just wanted to say the little saying and leave. <laughs> and, and, uh, and she starts to get up and she starts to get something. And I just told her, I said, lay back down. And I got very stern. I said, <laughs> lay down, lay down. It's time to go to bed. It's, you know, and, uh, and she, and, and she said, no, I was getting this. And she grabs this little piece of paper and I'm like, what, what is that? And I'm very annoyed. <laughs> it's a love it's letter a, to dad. And it's, well, it's a paper plane and she goes coming in for a landing and she throws it and it hits my chest. And I'm so annoyed. <laughs> I said, I said, it is not time for play. It's time to go to sleep. And I'm getting very stern with her. And she goes, open it up and read it. And it was it absolutely, it was a love letter. Yep. I love you so much, daddy. And all this other things. And I thought oh. there are so many times where I lose my temper uh, about things. Cause I'm, I'm stressed. I, you know, I'm, the, the kids are whirling around and it just, everything seems chaotic and I want things to be controlled and peaceful, particularly after a long day at work of thinking all day about how to be a great dad, yes. which is my job. Um, um, I just want everything to be calm. And so one of the things, and this is, again, this is one of the things that I've, I've been doing um, and have done to work on this. And I wrote an article about it. Um, and, it, and the article, if you want to refer back to it, is, is called um, Confession, I'm Too Harsh With My Kids, mm. is I decided to write down all of the things that my kids do that are triggers, that would trigger frustration. And then I wrote down all of the ways that I wish I would respond in those moments and what I would say, what I would do. And it's when I am referring back to that list on a daily basis, I do much better. And clearly I haven't re been referring back to that list nearly enough. Well, the problem with a man in the arena or the problem with an all pro dad for the sake of this podcast, I'm, I'm using those as synonymous. The problem with those guys and here, this is a major problem. They are exhausted because life has put a huge demand on them because not only are they getting it done at work, but they're trying to love their wife. They're trying to love their kids. And in doing so, their church puts a demand on them and the community puts a demand on them because they're the guys coaching the sports. They're the guys volunteering where the anonymous dad or the bio dad or the sperm donor, they're not around. It's the man in the arena. It's the all pro dad. And what happens when we are exhausted, the first thing that goes out the window is our patience. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you have these stress, you know, you have stress from absolutely everywhere. Like you said, there's a, a great movie called The Paper and uh, and uh, with uh, Robert Duvall and uh -huh. Michael Keaton. And they're up, they're up on a rooftop talking about how do you, you know, and, and Michael Keaton is kind of the, the person learning from the older, wiser, or he's supposed to be wiser, Robert Duvall. And he said, how did you do this job and have a family? And, uh, and you know, Robert Duvall is, he, he's got, he's like, don't ask a guy with two ex-wives how to do this. <laughs> and, and, uh, later on in the movie, he talks about, you know, 
if there's anyone in this equation you think will bend, it's you think it'll be your family. And so you put them on the back burner. Yep. And uh, and all of a sudden all this stuff happens. So it's um, but I think an important part of this whole thing and, and we started it off with is is a lot of guys are like, how do I find balance between work and everything that I'm doing? And it's and it's and Mark Merrill, who that the founder wrote a great article called Stop Trying to Find Balance. It's all about presence. Be yeah. fully present where you are and um, stop daydreaming and stop, you know, when you're at, at home, stop thinking about work. When you're at work, stop thinking about home. Just be focused on where you are at the time. And um, and you'll that, I think that's the best way to kind of find the balance in this whole thing. That is so good, man. I appreciate that. So, hey, I asked you to share a your daughter will need counseling moment. But how about an all dad? How about an all pro dad moment? Do you have a moment where you uh, say with your kids, "Hey, man, I, I really hit this one out of the park." Uh, I did, but first a story. You know, when I when I think about all pro dad moments, there's there's one thing kind of comes to mind first, and it's just such a dad moment. Um, we were traveling across country and had been driving for several days in a row, and my my son said, I got to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to pull off the next stop. And he goes, I can't wait. I got to do it now. Can you just give me a cup? And he is all the way in the back of the van. (laughs) And he had done it. He had done it the day before he, and without us knowing, he just all of a sudden handed up a cup and we're like, what's this? And he goes, I peed in it. And and we're like, (laughs) why? Why? And, uh, and so, so we're like, all right, you did it the day before. So we gave him this big gulp and he takes it. And the next thing I hear is just screaming. And I, and I look in the rearview mirror and my son is wide eyed and, and all I see is a stream coming right for me in the rearview mirror. And he basically turned our entire van into a urine sprinkler system. And, and my poor daughter was the first one hit oh, and it's no. dripping down her hair and, uh, and it was, and, and not a single drop got in the cup. It just got everywhere in the van and we pull over finally. And my wife takes our daughter in to get her cleaned up and I'm having to change clothes. And my son's like, dad, this is not my day. And I'm thinking, not your day. We're the ones that are <laughs> look at your sister's your- hair. <laughs> yeah. Look, at it's not your sister's day. How old is he? Anyway, How old that, is he? How old he's, is he? Was not, he's nine at the time. He's he, okay. he well, actually, yeah, he was nine at the time. He's 10 now. This okay. Yeah. He was, um, he was old enough to have a decent aim. <laughs> it was, but it was, it was, it's such a, it was such a moment of, okay, this is what it's like to be a dad. But I think the one thing I, you know, I wrote an article one time where I asked a ton of people, what's your favorite family tradition to pass on? And a woman in our office said, you know, my sister used to take care of our son for a weekend and they used to have a no rules weekend where he could do whatever he wanted. And she was a little bit crazy. Like there literally was no rules. Like he could do anything. Um, but I thought, you know, I should do that with my kids, um, have a no rules. I can't do, I'm like, I don't think I can do a weekend, but I think I could do a night. So every year I started doing a no rules night for my kids. And there's actually two rules associated with it. You can't be, you can't be reckless and, and do something that's going to endanger your life. We can do some things that are a little bit dangerous where you might get hurt, but, um, but, and then the second one is we have to be conscientious of other people. So, you know, if, if we're going outside at three in the morning, you can't go screaming up and down the neighborhood. 
and um, and my kids. So so my wife's a flight attendant. Mine so too. Said, Mine too. She is really what, okay. What company? Uh, Southwest. Oh well, that's a great one. My wife is Alaska, so I know your wife oh, is friendly yeah. at least. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's a, it's in a unique lifestyle being married oh, to somebody. Oh, buddy, in line preach it. My wife's in Minneapolis <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's so. Uh, and by the way, kudos to knowing where your wife is because I never know where she is half the time. Oh, I so try to stay very. But I'm I'm out of the bubble now, so I've got. She's my yeah. she's my number one focus on everything right now. So. Right. Yeah. Well, she said, just wait until I'm at work and then do it. And so I always wait until she's out of town. And uh, my kids, they almost on a daily basis ask, hey, is tonight no rules night? Uh, <laughs> because they get to stay up and do whatever they want. They can eat cookies for dinner. They can, And it's just become this, this thing that I know my kids are going to talk about when they're adults and, and maybe even do it with their kids. Yeah, that's really that's really good. I, I love that, man. That's awesome. So, hey, one last question before we get out of here. We're running real short on time. If you could speak to your grandchildren right now, what advice would you give them? Oh, I would just say um, that um, don't try to be anybody else but yourself. You know, I think I, I talked about it a little bit earlier with that Henry Nowen um, deal. It's that you were created uh, with tremendous love and purpose and, um, and that you are not, you do not need to be like anybody else, that God created you with a voice and gifts to impact the world and just learn and know what those are. And, um, and then it comes down to uh, two things that Jesus talked about, love God and love others. Yeah. And if you do that and you do that well, then you'll experience life to the full. Man, that's good. I really appreciate it. So, BJ, thanks so much for taking the time to share your wisdom, uh, your victories, your defeats, your experience to our men in the arena, and for being one yourself, man. Thank you so much. Great. It was great being here. Thanks, Jim. Hey, and Dale. Hey, and we're not yeah. done yet, man. We've got a, our brutes on the ground moment. So, guys, what's the next step? What action step will you take because of our time today with BJ? What will you do because of what you heard? And I've got the perfect thing. It's only going to take you one minute. I want you to go to allprodads.com, scroll down, and, and join that group and subscribe, and then you will get a daily dose of BJ, all of his successes, all of his failures, all of his advice, all of his wisdom. Man, that'll be a great, great opportunity for you guys. Please do not pass that up. Guys, we'll also post our boots on the ground uh, moment in our weekly equipping blast. You can subscribe to that at meninthearena.org and we can, we'll can we send that with you. You can also get our 365-day bathroom book for men free in PDF version when you do so. Arena Men, you've been listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Make sure you go and get uh, some of our amazing free resources for you, which is subscribing to this podcast. Join in the Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum with men from almost 100 countries around the world. Sign up online also and receive our weekly equipping blast for men, and you'll, uh, you're going to love that, guys. So, guys, until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Be an all-pro. Grind it out. And be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. 
If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world on our closed Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. In our passion to help all arena men, we're offering an excellent free resource when you visit our homepage at meninthearena.org. Simply give us your email and we'll send you a free PDF version of Jim's book for men called The Field Guide, a bathroom book for men. It's a daily study of manly words in the Bible explained with great stories. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, thank you for joining men in the arena from around the world who are becoming their best version. And remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.